My name is Hunter McIntyre. I'm a 10-time world champion, six-time world record holder, Sports Illustrated 50 fittest people in the world, and Morningwood Radio is all of the energy of that and some more. I get to connect with people that have the same exact feelings, and I want to know what got them where they were going, how they woke up in the morning today, what they're going to do the rest of the day, and how everybody else can improve by learning these lessons. Um, how did you get a builder shirt? And I don't even have builder shirts. The day that I stood in the back of the the little bar area when General High Rocks was going on, I was handing out T-shirts left and right. I snagged one. It's ridiculous. I own the company, and every single time I go to an event, people are like, "Do you have any larges left?" And I recognize that we don't, and I just give them mine, That's and then I end up one. I end yeah. up without one. I'm sure, Rich, that. That's why you end up with not having so many shirts as well. You're always giving out the shirt right off your back. You know what? I, I don't. Um, I, you know what? I, I just, it's all about me. I'm not, you know, you come to my place, you want a shirt, you're not going to get one. <laughs> I respect that. I respect that. There's a certain point in your life where you just got to draw a line in the sand. And for you, you're not giving your shirt up anymore. You know what it is, is that it's like you get this inventory, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I'll be honest with you. I do have shirts. But if you start introducing the idea that you have shirts, they want you to send them to you, to them. You know, they want me to mail it. And I just don't do well with UPS. So it's like trying to send something to somebody, forget it's not worth it to me. Yeah. You come, you come, come visit here. me and you ask for one, you're probably going to get one. Yeah. We're at the point where we are buying so much merchandise, like water bottles. We just bought patches for weight vests because we're doing the Murph record, all that kind of stuff. And we've done our very best to like have swag for people and people love it. But then all of a sudden it's just like, it, it becomes an inconsistent, inconsistent burden. And we're even discussing about like getting a warehouse out here and hiring a full-time employee to do all of this stuff. But even that seems like a risk. I think it's a waste of money. That's not what you do, right? Sure. It's like spinning off like a, a whole merchandise department. Yeah. I'll tell you something. A, a, uh, and, a team that I work with, um, they're the best in business. I won't mention them just because, I don't know, maybe they don't want to know that um, who they are for this conversation, but they were doing all these data analytics on me and because they, we, we work in different partnerships for different brands. So they sent me all this stuff and they showed how much, because of the growth of High Rocks, my name has started to go into Google searches. And currently, every single month, I'm getting thousands of Google searches directly towards my name to the point where like I'm almost uh, getting up as big as like high rocks do you guys. And this is why merchandise gets valuable, by the way. Like if you make biceps when races, all that kind of stuff, it, it becomes valuable. And that's why I'm bringing this up. But do you guys want, can you guys guess what the number one go, like Google searches related to my name are? Is Hunter McIntyre's mustache real? Okay. Rich, what, what's your number one guess? Biceps win races. No, is Hunter McIntyre married? Is the number oh. one question. That does, okay. yeah, that one popped up a lot. Okay, second one is who is Hunter McIntyre? Third one is is Hunter McIntyre gay? I was <laughs> gonna say that's probably up on the list. <laughs> that's the third most researched thing. I was just like, what the shit? It's <laughs> like, what the fuck have I done with my life? That that's the third search. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I got to get patches that say Hunter McIntyre is straight. Not gay. <laughs> not gay. The not gay I, guy. Like no homo. Yeah. Well, I can tell you, you know, I won't because this is live. But I remember a conversation you and I had about you going to Elton John's birthday party. It's a great, 
great birthday party. And I had goals when I got there. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying that there was a conversation around surrounding that, that you said, because he's, uh, he's been a knight that you go ahead and have sex with him or something like no, that. No, it was nothing to do with that. Okay. So listen, the conversation goes like this. You think Damn. about it. You're like, who are your top five celebrity bangs? And everybody like names, like, like a babe, like a total babe. I'm like, yeah, great. You'd have sex for 10 minutes and it'd be the most boring night of your life. You think about Elton John, rock star. He brings me to a castle. We fly in in a helicopter. We're playing hide and go seek in his castle. Then all of a sudden he decides to light a massive fire in a fireplace that's the size of your apartment probably. And then he starts playing Crocodile Rock. And the things that go after that, I can't even get into detail because this is a, this is a Christian podcast. But I'm telling you right now, you think about the night, not the act of the sex. I'm thinking about the evening. And Elton John... I guarantee you. Know, you need to day. back up. You need to back up while you're ahead. <laughs> he just dug that hole. Dude, I don't third search on Google. How is Hunter is Hunter McIntyre gay? Then goes into it. I mean, listen, Google mouth. search has it, Hunter McIntyre had sex with Elton John. That's the new biggest search. It's the comedy behind it all. I even said that I would date Oprah too. I was telling people this morning that I would date Oprah. I'm like, come on. Like, think about the opportunities involved, guys. So, can I just go ahead and hang up right now? <laughs> no, listen, you're the one who brought it up. So, don't I can defend myself here? That's not defending yourself. It is 100% defending myself. <laughs> I'm explaining, I'm explaining why it would happen. Oh, oh look at this. Ellen John would also ding that hole. Now oh. it comes out. See, look at this. Now you've got all the, you got the gay <laughs> critics on my side. Thanks for bringing that up, Rich. And now we understand why the search engine is there. Okay, so in reality, as much as we did want to talk about me coming out of the closet, we really brought you on the show because you were right, and I lost a bet, and I want to say that I'm sorry, and that you were right. You don't need to apologize. No, no, listen, listen, I I talked a lot of shit. I did. Yeah, well, that's to be expected. Here we go. Here's the race results. Overall time, 1027. I think you and I agreed on 1025 if I had to go faster. Um, and I, I stopped looking at my watch, and I was only looking at the watch time rather than my paces. And I just kept on being like, I have to beat 545 to beat Rich. That's all I thought about the second half of the race. Um, so you got me through it, brother. I got a 11029 swim. I got a 533 bike, and I got a 32930 um, run time. Total time was uh, 102737. So let me ask you a question. Yeah. Do you think it's possible that part of the reason you didn't do as well as you hoped was because it was so close to the other suffer freaking triathlon you did? Starvation. You weren't 100%. Not you even close. I mean, yeah. dude, we went out drinking as hard as we possibly could. Like, I woke up with peanuts all over me, and we were drinking like 30 Irish car bombs a couple nights out. Admittedly, and I'm sleeping in the corner. Yeah. Um, admittedly, like, we did not take the traditional trajectory towards having a successful time in Ironman. Like, we ran that really hard one. And then after that, Kyle and I basically just like gave up. Like, Kyle was 20 minutes slower than his last Ironman. Mm. Like, we just were like, we're effed and our bodies were pretty tired. We weren't really interested anymore. I, I basically stopped training. Like I still was moving, but I was not training to have a good Ironman time. But I did say that I was going to do it regardless of training. Cause I'm such a badass, and I didn't, I didn't beat the time. So what's the bottle of scotch do you want again? Lagavulin. How do you say that rich? L- Lagavulin. I think it's, yeah, Lagavulin. you know, you got off cheap. 
You know, you really got off cheap. I, I the last the one was like a $500 I, bottle. Yeah, being the gentleman that I am, the original bet, I started talking about a Belveni uh, 30-year-old, which was like $1,000. Yeah. The, 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 I never could pronounce this problem. Lagavallen, I think it is. It's yeah. 99 bucks. you know, so. I made a thousand dollar bet with my other friend who lives in Nashville that he couldn't lose thirty pounds by his birthday, and he lost the thirty pounds. So I owe him a grand. I owe you a bottle. I have a terrible gambling problem. Yeah. Well, the good news is that I, I wasn't paying attention to it. Had you not told me that you that I lost or I won the bet, I wouldn't have asked. Mm. It wasn't. It wasn't paramount. Well, he always pays his bets. Yeah, no, I get it. Well, like, so do I. I. I was. It wasn't paramount in my mind. I wasn't thinking, "Oh, cool, I'm going to win money." You know, so it's kind of sad that I'm just not not even a thought, not even a thought. <laughs> Dude, I wasn't. Listen, you and I have gone down this rabbit hole so many times, so I just don't give it all that much energy. I look, I, I have respect for your ability. And I think that uh, uh, if you wouldn't have been been in a prime circumstance, I probably would have lost that bet. But um knowing that you wouldn't be relative to what you had planned. You see, I, I'm an old man. I think this stuff through. I said, he's going to go beat himself up on this mountain. Then he's going to go down to sea level and try to shine. And his body's going to be so worked. It's just not going to go well. So I, I bet against you. I would say that the booze was probably the biggest um, deterrent. It, yeah. It was the biggest thing that got in the way. It was the biggest hurdle. So, now now we're going to really get into the meat and potatoes of next season, and I always like to kind of converse with you, but I think because of the platform that we have now, it's fun to kind of have these conversations publicly. We've got nothing to hide. Um, I usually contact you before I try to go set a world record in something, and I want to just find out the science on it. So we're going back, and we're going to do the Murph world record probably December or January, maybe February, I don't know, depending on the prep. I'm giving myself as long as necessary. Last time, I only had two months. So last time we did 34 minutes and 13 seconds. Uh, I believe it was like a 519 run, 255 pull-ups, um, 817 pull-ups, 1018, or eight-minute pull-ups, uh, push-ups, 1018 squats, which is terrible, and then like a 720 run. I really went, crashed. Um, so we're basically taking about 18% off of the time maybe 15% off of the time I've did with the last one. And basically I have to raise the intensity in very small muscle groups like triceps and pecs where like something like high rocks is very predominantly like just your legs right. and your lungs. The biggest issue for me was not even the run, <clears throat> but it was the pushups, the pushups like overloaded me so badly that it shot me in my tracks. And then by the time I got to the squats, I think I was just so overloaded in general. Like I just started dying and my, my quads couldn't even move. Like I had shocked the body at that point. So I was calling to ask to say, if you were going to take, uh Oh, if you were going to take the effort that we're looking at right now and, and, and split it up because it's different than high rocks, it's, you know, half the amount of time. How could you increase the intensity uh, of a workout like that over six months to the point where I'm trying to break 30 minutes? Well, a lot of things come to mind. And uh, as I'm listening to you, it reminded me of a conversation I had with someone in a podcast just the other day. 
And the conversation surrounded uh, high rock specific training. And this is an elite athlete, elite meaning they're doing pretty well uh, and they compete in the pro versions. Um, and, uh, and I'm not going to go into the detail of who it was. And the, the, the gist of the conversation was um, like so many that I hear talk about their training is the way they're segregating processes, right? So they're doing these training blocks where like they're going to do strength for a period of time. Then they're going to do the running for a period of time. And they're, they're hoping that collectively it's all going to come together when they need it. And it's all going to gel. And uh, <laughs> I think in um, an effort like we're speaking of, you need to look at it as a whole. And I know that a lot of your training is this way, but you've heard me bang the drum about this before. The specificity of training is critically important, especially for this particular event. When you're training, you need to do the whole thing. Now, you can gauge the intensity and progressively increase the intensity over time, which is going to end up working. But I would not blame the small muscle groups for failing or the, you know, the, your quads for failing. It's a collective failure. And, and we talked about this too, and this is something that's really been on my mind a lot lately, and I've been sharing some of this information, is that you realize that because collectively the intensity is causing the cost of work to go up, that your heart rate is also going with it. And as your heart rate goes up, as does your core body temperature, and then this is crazy. So try to take this, let's just say this block of time, this 35-minute effort. Let's just say, and I'm just hypo, uh, being hypothetical because I don't know how many watts it was, but let's just say collectively the cost of work was 1,000 watts, okay? And I'm sure that that's not correct. I'm sure it's way more than that. But let's just say that you generated 1,000 watts of energy. Now, because when your core temperature goes up and your, your heart rate goes up the way it does, what ends up happening is this is going to kill you 75% of the energy that you generated is going to go to mitigating the heat production in your body. And what's left for your work is that last 25%. So the, the enemy in all of this, and I've been saying this about high rocks training, because it also exists there is that if you can't keep a handle on that heart rate or keep a handle on that core temperature, then it's a hellbound train. Eventually it's just going to get you like it did you. And I, I reflected on when you set the, uh, well, I don't know if it's a world record, but you, you won the world championships this year at High Rocks. Intuitively, you identified that you were really getting hot and you started to douse yourself with water and drink and things like this. It saved your ass. because I, you I, started, do, I do that every race, by the way. Well, I'm just telling, whether it was in, intentional or just uh, you programmed it or whatever, uh, and I thought it was just intuitive. You just thought, okay, I got I to gotta cool this thing down. But getting a handle on that core temperature helps to bring all, start to put the fire out and allow you to maintain your performance. Because when you get out to a place where your core temperature gets a little out of control, you're looking at potentially losing as much as 20% of your performance towards the end. And so what I'm saying from a global perspective is that if you took the entire block and then progressively produced the work and intentionally graduated the work to greater and greater intensity over time, you'd start to find yourself more and more capable of supporting greater and greater paces in the run and also the ability to support more and more of the work in, in the, the exercises. So my answer would be not to try to uh, segregate the components 
and try to work on those specifically and then become, you know, stronger at each of these little individual events and then ultimately put it all together at the end. I agree with you. The thing is, that I just that's what I did with High Rocks last year. Is I just kept on doing simulations. Um, but my thing came down to like when I do push ups and training, I think just because I don't train them anymore, they blow me out hard. And they and like air squats, I'm good with pull ups are not that bad. The push ups go well. Again, let me let me just I understand. <laughs> So you're going to have weaknesses. There's the strength and there's the weakness, the strength and weakness all through the process. And this, this occurs with all these types of events we speak of, right? But I'm just saying that rather, let's say you're going to say, I got to do, I'm going to do a block of 100 push-ups, right? Or 50 push-ups, whatever it might be. Just instead of like hammering it every time, just slow your roll in the beginning and just take whatever time it takes to get it done. And you'll see progressively the time is going to get shorter and shorter and shorter for everything that you do. But if you just always go ham, it's going to end up in the same place. It's like beating your head against the wall. Eventually, you know, either lactate production starts to get you in the specific regions uh, or whatever. But collectively, you start, you know, you just bang your head against the wall again. <clears throat> what do you think about this? So I was trying to measure because I think it's interesting to bring up the difference between myself and another athlete like Alec Blennis, who's got the other best time that I know of. Um Look at these metrics of energy that I try to create. It's a it's a bro bro science, but I like it. So I'm 200 pounds, 74 inches tall, and 600 reps in the workouts. He's 160 pounds, um, 66 inches, so about five foot six, and 600 reps. So the amount of units of energy that I um, it cost me is eight million eight hundred eighty eight thousand, um, and his is six million three hundred thirty six thousand. So he uses 29 percent less energy than I do. Thoughts. Just by just by being the size that he's he is. Yeah, it's mass. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, the Matt, more mass, the more I, mass, the more work, the more expense. What I did was I multiplied my weight times my ape index, which is my arms length across, and then I multiply it times the amount of reps, which is six hundred. You take out the running because that's just too hard to measure. I mean, I guess I could multiply it times feet, but then it would just be a grossly high uh, number. But still. Um, I wonder, I mean, there's nothing I can really do to get around it other than just get fitter. Well, again, so an easier route to that, creating that equation to do a comparative is just look at the work. Um, and you, you can, you can easily just take, um, your heart rate, your mass, caloric expense over time. And you, you, you end up in the same place. You're, you're, you're probably right in that uh, because his, he's not as large as you are, his expense is going to be less. Um, and the things that you can control are obviously lowering the cost of work relative to the output. You know, be better at not expending as much energy to achieve whatever particular task. And, and so... Or the other end of it is be uh, much better at processing that lactate that you're creating because you're going to be anaerobic. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. You're going to be anaerobic the whole time. And so if you can do something to get better at processing that lactate um, so you don't burn up, um, you may overwhelm the, the smaller guy because he's not capable of doing that. 
Does a bigger body process lactate better? It, it creates more. Well, and so denser muscle processes lactate, lactate better. Really? Yeah. So fast switch fibers have a very unique metabolic uh, transporter that will help to clear that lactate as you're producing it faster than uh, if you're more of a slow twitch kind of guy. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, this is such a long workout, though. It's predominantly oxidative, if not entirely. I mean, you're, you're, you're. Why would you say that? Well, I guess it's, it's all the way up there, but like, I mean, it's pulling from your glycolytic system for the entirety of it because your heart rate's so high. But, well, but it's not oxidative then. So oxidative no, I, I suggests. I yeah. would, I was meant to say that. It's glycolytic. Yeah, it's glycolytic. And, but still, like, I would go into this. I know you don't like when I say this, but I would still be doing like 10 hours of bike volume a week just to get my, my, my what kind of volume bike volume Ten hours at least and skier. I thought about doing a lot of skier and rowing just to continually to work these muscle groups. Cause like running doesn't attack the muscle groups the same way biking does that same kind of muscular tension that you respond to from doing high intensity squat volume where well, there's less stress for one. Yeah. Well that also injury proofing, um, and the impact in general. And then I thought about just doing a ton of skier volume because what we're looking at is lats and triceps and core, which is going to be crazy. I thought about doing a lot more core work and not as much heavy weight. I usually lift such heavy weights all the time. I was just like, I don't think I really need to do it. This go around. Like I can't get much stronger. No, it well, it's look, <clears throat> everything you're doing is body weight oriented. It's, if you had to pick up weight, then you pick up weight. Oh. You, you, you need to you need to stick to the you know you were um, a big follow of follower of I think it was Vern Gambetta, right? No, Charles Poliquin or Charles Poliquin. Okay, either way, these guys are kind of coming from the same song sheet basically. But basically, um, these guys were really keen on specificity. Yep. You know. Do the thing that you need to do in order to be better at the thing you're trying to do. Yep. And when you kind of get lost in it and you, you're trying to supplement the work with all these uh, um, versions of process, I think, that, honestly, a lot of it's a waste of time. Um, I mean, I don't think that, for example, let's say skier. There's nothing in the movement patterns you're going to do that are going to mimic that skier or, or vice versa. Do you and remember the same, when... Same thing with the bike, for that matter. Do you remember when... Was Arthur Lydiard what used to work worked with that that uh, boxing world champion, and he used to make him just do like very low intensity boxing all the time, very very low intensity to work on his capillary density so that he could keep stamina in his arms. Yeah, like yeah. that that's my my idea of it. It's not the same muscle pattern. I mean, I guess I could just take bands and go like this <laughs> for like sixty minutes. <laughs> Can I tell you something? Um, I've worked with world champion boxers middleweight champion of the world, lightweight champion of the world. And I've been in that world with boxers in the past. Old school training for boxers. You see these guys out on the road, you know, you got the hoodie on and their plastic clothes running along, trying to do a 10 minute mile, then go in and hit the heavy bag for an hour or something like that. I had a guy come to me, a, a manager of a middleweight boxer that was actually in uh, De La Hoya's camp and said, you know, we need to do something because my guy's getting older and he just, you know, in order for him to kind of get to the, to the big game, he's, he's gotta, he's gotta, he's gotta start winning, you know, la, 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 la. And they started selling me on all the endurance and how hard the guy trained. And I'm like, let me ask you something. So the guy runs 10 miles a day or something like that. 
I said, when you get in the ring, it's three minute rounds. You're going to fight for three minutes, sit for a minute or two and get back up and fight again. Why in the hell would you want to go steady state for, for 10 miles or, or whatever hour and a half or whatever it is has nothing to do with the task. you have it? So we, we quit this guy from running like that. And we started focusing on intervals to style workouts that are very much akin to the type of uh, like hit training. Yeah. And you know hit what the training. guy, the guy started knocking people out left and right. Um, <laughs> uh, Oscar de la Hoya kicked him out of his camp because he was hurting his trainers, you know? And a guy was like working on 38 years old. That's the whole, that was the, the, the problem is that he's getting old. We've got, we've got to do something. Uh, and I've done this, uh, you know, we did this, uh, we had the, uh, guy named Chris John, anybody that's a boxing aficionado will know this guy. He's from Jakarta, Indonesia, came to me from Jakarta, Indonesia. And he was training uh, in Oxnard with um, the Garcias, some of the greatest boxing trainers in the world. And their camp started putting this guy in a hyperbaric chamber three times a week. And the idea being that getting in this saturated oxygen environment was going to improve his aerobic performance, blah, 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 blah. It almost killed him. They came to me and the guy was like, like, like he was in the ring, like a girl. I could show you pictures of me in that training facility, monitoring his heart rate while he was training. And the guy hit like a girl. And we summarily. Hey now, Rich, some girls hit harder than men now. (laughs) Anyway, Anyway, we pulled him out. And we stopped him from doing that. In a matter of a couple of weeks, his performance started going back up again. And all of the training we did was anaerobic. We started doing nothing but let's go hard for these rounds and then focus on specificity. We want to make sure the technique's on point. How are you going to maneuver this guy that you're going to fight? What is his weaknesses? What, what are the strengths that we need to build on? And the guy came around. So the, the moral of the story is, A, Lydiard got into the game. There was no such thing as a heart rate monitor. So for him to, you know, he was going low and slow for everybody for 10 weeks at a time. And, you know, um, a, a good plan today is always better than a perfect plan tomorrow. And it always turned out to be how, how this guy came to fame. But we have technology these days that he didn't have the advantage of. And I would tell you that based on what I know and having tested thousands of athletes, from all walks of sport. I mean, I used to do all the preseason diagnosis for the LA Kings. These are power athletes. I've done boxers. I've done basketball players, baseball players, football players, rugby. You name it, I've tested it. And I'm looking at the outcome of the work they're doing and what they're trying to achieve. And when I tell you what I tell you, it's not because I'm just winging some thought processes. I I, I put in the work. And so I assure you that you ask me a question, I'm giving you the answer. Specify, <clears throat> get on top of the game, and be progressive about it. Don't don't try to just, you know, try to get a, a record every time you attempt the the event. Slow so your roll. Ten, ten hours on the bike is that a good idea, or do, what? What type of? I don't uh, think I don't. I mean, I just don't think. Okay. Listen, uh, I don't think that's helped you with high rocks. Just to be honest. I mean, it's interesting, like. So I have my own formula for doing this that I've used the bike because in reality, I recognize the amount of intensity that goes into my intense days. I usually do an intense run an intense gym session. I need about two days of recovery until I can go again. 
And if I decide to run in between, it just chews me up. I've used the bike, these two, three hour bike sessions, and I can't touch anything else. I mean, like I am literally devastated after the level well, of intensity. I, I, that we do. Listen, I appreciate that. And I could see where that would be a solution for you. If that was your, inter- your concern was to continue to work. It might've been that you, you improved even more had you not done the work in the middle anyway. If you put in the hard sets, took the rest, go back and put in the hard sets, take the rest, and then t- taper yourself in. I mean, it doesn't have to be 100% every time you go in. <clears throat> you could you could take it with less intensity, I, but specific, I mean, get better at the things you're trying to get better at and then progressively improve the intensity. I, I hear where you're coming from, but I have all my own versions of data. Like you have lab data, I have field data. I the amount of years that I've done without the bike versus with the bike. So like if I share the screen... And I will show you my world records on Strava that when I first started doing high rocks, um, I was not, I was not nearly as fit. And when I went and did, you can see like when I was training for the Murph record last time I was living in Boulder, Colorado, it was COVID and people were such cocks. They would not let you come outside of the house because they were like, Oh, you're spreading COVID on your bicycle. You monster. Like people would scream at you. It was crazy. So my volume of outdoor training actually dropped significantly and my level of out inside intensity and specificity was through the roof. Then all of a sudden, COVID starts to lift off and my opportunities start to come back and I start putting back in bike volume, which is my traditional version of applying my formula and my numbers started going through the roof again. I'll give you another example. So what 20, numbers are we talking about? I'm talking about my results in High Rocks. The only okay. numbers that's valuable. All right. Okay. I'm yeah. Well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just telling. So another example I'll give you is I went and lived in Rhode Island for a summer and I basically was living in Rhode Island and I was not training on a bicycle almost at all. And because I went drove across the country, we bought bicycles, but I was with my family and I wasn't able to put the amount of volume that I normally do. So I would go into the gym with very intense sessions and I then would go, instead of going on these like three, four hour bike rides that I'm used to, two, three hour bike rides, whatever it may be, I would go home and spend time with the family. And I had the worst results of my career then. Worst result. And I lost world championships. And then I went through and I was living in Boulder afterwards And instead of getting right back on the bike, guess what happened? They had a fire come through and all the trails and shit that I would usually ride on got burnt out and we couldn't ride bikes anymore. And I didn't have a road bike, so I wasn't riding a mountain bike on the roads because the boulder roads blow. Like they're not like Malibu where you just get to go up into the mountains like you're just on freaking highways and people are cruising by hardcore. And then all of a sudden, guess what? I lost to Ryan Kent again. So. I'm literally giving you field data, like field data that I'm super, super, super involved in, because guess who's the world champion and undisputed in this sport? I am. And I would only do the things that are necessary to continue to hold on to that. So that's why like people are like, oh, why do you do this? Because I'm like, I'm the fucking best. And I know it works. (laughs) Well, so could I just slow you for a second? Yeah. Um, And I respect what you're telling me. Um, But in the back of my mind, while you're telling me this, I recall the Hunter McIntyre of, of yesterday where um, your aerobic performances were through the roof. Yeah. 
your VO2 score was higher than it had ever been. Yep. Your capacity to produce work at higher heart rates and still be aerobic was through the roof. You got into a lot more high intensity exercise coming off, going into um, CrossFit. Yeah. All right. I mean, real, literally backing off the running, just really focusing on trying to get your strength component up. Mm-hmm. Your body morphed into a much more fast twitch kind of state. And then you got into high rocks. And sure, you probably threw all these other elements in play, but you were still including a lot of high intensity. Uh, training and your scores plummeted and your performance went through the roof. Sure. I'm going to quote you. You told me post-test, I've never been as fit as I am right now in my life. This was after I tested you and your scores were compared. I mean, compared. How many years ago was that rich? Yeah. Well, but I'm just saying that I'm look, I'm comparing the guy I, mean, I knew that did the one thing to a guy I know that did something else and what that looked like when it was all said and done. So now I'm not, it could, listen, you could have been wearing red shorts every time you went out and had a good performance and you could say it's the freaking red shorts, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and so you don't always know specifically what the element of the process or success was that brought you to the, the podium. You just know that you ended up there and these are the things you did. But there could have been things that you could have gleaned from that training uh, that would have maybe got you there quicker. You might have done a little bit better than you you could have uh, or did uh, or worse. You know, there's there's just so much. It's just you're like a you're like this enigma. You're like this moving target. There's always stuff going on. And some things very positive and always beneficial and some things maybe a little contrary to your process. And you don't know which is which until the outcome. I did. I didn't do as well as I used to. I did much better than I ever have. But you can't still. You can't say it was this element in my training that made the difference. Agreed. I do live a very sporadic lifestyle, but I am at least admitting to you that maybe people think I'm an insane person and I'm all over. No, the I don't. I don't look. I would. I would argue that all day long. I've yeah. always defended your intellect in this response. Okay. Yeah. Uh, there are people that think you're out of your mind. I'm not that guy because I know you, right? I know you're not out of your mind. Listen, and, you're a little history. goofy, but you're not out of your mind. And I'll take it. I mean, it's the pants that I wear. But um, the thing is this. I'm not saying that I have a guaranteed answer, but I do have a formula. Okay. And if I, if I had to invest, I would invest in the formula that I'm in now. But the reason why I continue to ask you is because things always do change. And like, I do respect the thing that you're saying about heat, like that right there. I was like, you know what? I do understand that. There's a reason why people maybe aren't thinking clo- uh, enough, but there's a reason why I doused myself with water at every single championship. It's not because I have this like specific data points on core temperature. I just recognize I'm like, I am hot. I must cool off. Like, you know, basic, basic answer, basic response. You have data that I don't have. So, well, some people, by the way, some people, what they'll do is they say, I am hot. I'm going to need to get a drink soon. And by the time they get to that drink, they're about five minutes too late, you know, because can I, what's really fascinating and in, in what I've been paying attention to lately is <clears throat> we're so used to the metrics that we have available to us, what our pace looks like, what our heart rate looks like relative to our pace, you know, all those kind of things. 
what we don't do, and we've not had access to until recently, and I, I, being careful how I say this because there is ways of doing it, but being able to see how much deviation in your core temperature is during the work you're doing. It's not like looking at your heart rate going from 120 to 140. <clears throat> it might move a half a point in 30 minutes. But it costs it, a lot. Well, but so my, let's say, so homeostasis being normal is 98.6. <clears throat> if you get to 102, you could lose 10% of your performance. If you get to 104, you could need hospitalization. What are the people you're testing temperatures at once they get their heart rate up? Uh, well, it depends on the length of time. So I got guys that are out there doing this kind of work for uh, six and eight hours on a mountain. <clears throat> and then I got guys doing high rocks, right? So um, what, I've been notice, what I've been noticing is, <clears throat> uh, and realize that I'm amping it up for the guys that are on the shorter duration because I want to see the change, putting them in plastic suits, working them, doing VO2s on them while they're in these working plastic hard. suits. And so I'm looking at, on, on average, I see like 102. I've not seen really it, but... in the middle of exercising. Yeah. It's yeah. Like a ba like a baby fever. Well, but that baby fever is enough to cut your performance by 10%. No, I, I mean, I agree. I mean, the reason why I'm so into um, hydration is because you can see the numbers. I mean, obviously it's a correlate because, you know, I, you get dehydrated because you're trying to cool your body down. So the only way that you can really mitigate that, unless you're exposing yourself to cold in the middle of a session is to be really topped off with hydration and say on top of hydration through a session. Well, and now, or, and or uh, the other consideration is like you, it's better to avoid a fire than to try to put the fire out. So what you want to do is preparation prior to the competition to cause your body to be in a cooler state. No, I so agree. That, so that, it, you know, if you start to burn up at uh, round six um, uh, as opposed to round four, that could make a difference of uh, uh, a minute, maybe two. I don't know, depending on who you are, what your level of competition is. But the, the point is, you want to pro, you want to prolong your your, you want to avoid getting into this heated position as long and as effectively as possible. And so, what I'm having people do, which is unique, I'm now having them pay attention throughout their training not just purposely trying to do things to change it, but see what the outcome is relative to what they're doing. Yeah. So I'm having them looking at the metric on their Garmin watch where they're actually able to see, okay, my heart rate's this and I've been here for a while and my core temperature now is this. Yeah. And so you could say, you know, if it's an endurance event, you could say, I need to start pumping those drinks in, maybe douse myself with, with water, maybe take my shirt off, whatever the hell, just something to try to let that heat go away as best you can and then see what the outcome is because you really start putting that fire out. So we got a guy named Victor, Victor Purcell in here. who has been commenting. Um, what's up, Vic? So one thing that I want to bring up is, you know, I'm a big supplement guy. He's bringing up nitric oxide. I know like for me, I use a lot of citrulline for this. And then I also use beta alanine to prevent lactic acid. Is there anything that you found out at least from the the metabolic state or the core temperature state that you would introduce into somebody's diet to help increase potential? Um, you know, I don't delve into supplementation. Um, I don't. I So this is going to probably cause some sore asses, but I'm saying it anyway. Um, I look at 
um, the types of things that you can do to improve your performance on a standard of how much better will this be as opposed to that. And when it comes to the hierarchy of things you can do performance-wise, enhancement-wise, uh, to me, I think that um, supplementation is on the low part of the scale. And so I just, it's low hanging fruit. I just don't delve into it much. But for example, let's talk about uh, beat elite. Okay. Yep. These guys are talking about the, you know, the nitric oxide bump that they're getting and they're actually doing samplings to see if, and I'll tell you what, in the early days of uh, the beat elite uh, uh, era, they were sending me this stuff. And I was taking the stuff because I thought, well, maybe this is going to help uh, cleanse my liver because I'm a drinker, right? And I, I was pumping this stuff in my body left and right. Now, obviously, I'm not a, a, an elite athlete, but there's, I had no sensation whatsoever from, from taking the thing versus not taking the thing. And I am a human. And whether I'm um, at an elite level or not, you should notice a bump. I want to, I want to, I'll pay attention when something I'm doing gave me a bump. The only thing, by the way, the only thing that I've ever done in my life that really was noticeable, appreciably different from my <laughs> endurance perspective was, um, um, what this stuff's called, uh, no, I'm having a mind fart. Um, <laughs> the, sports, no, the, uh, uh, what is this? The fat, um, the keto? Pearl, huh? No, Sport came out with this um, MCT oil. Interesting. So, so MCT oil is a medium, medium chain, chain triglyceride. It's a medium chain triglyceride fuel that acts like fat, but in fact, it's a carbohydrate. And I took, I, I found a, a bar, you know, back in the day when I was doing triathlon and cycling, I found a bar instead of a power bar that had these MCTs in it. And I thought, oh, I'm going to try this. I could not believe that, you know, I have this route that I do where I'd ride from the house out down the PCH and do about 40, 50 miles and come back. And usually if I go hard, I'll limp home. I mean, on the way back, I'm like suffering and uh, you know, needing to get around the day. I was like sucked for the rest of the day. I took this bar halfway and the turnaround and came back and I was dancing in the rain. I felt great. And I thought, wow, that's weird. And so the next time I went out, I took the power bar with me and did the same thing. Same outcome. I died coming home. Yep. Tried it again. Took that bar again. Same re result. I was singing in the rain again. I'm like, this this is weird. I started reaching out to the company. I wanted to talk to the, to the scientists that are concocting this stuff to find out what it was. Mm -hmm. They went out of business. Hmm. They were gone. They were gone. So I started looking for MCT oils. And so Perilla Performance is one of the supplement companies that was creating this. Um, you can still find it in GNC. Uh, but for like an endurance bump, massive. I could not believe how much improvements it created. So you call me a novice and I'm not real well studied in all of this. But, uh, you know, I've tried the CBDs and all the other stuff. And and honestly, I just You're like talking about things that are like surface level, like scratchers. Like that's why, you know, we. Yeah. Well, we're talking about nitric oxide. And so you're supplementing to get that nitric oxide bump. And I just don't know that it's really that. I, I don't I don't know of anything out there that does it. It's called minimum effective dose. And I think the issue that you're not you're not getting with these companies is like, you know, they say, oh, this is what you should take. I would take five hits of, of, of beta lead a day. So you have to have higher doses than what they're they're 
they're trying to give you. And that was my issue with the supplement company like industry to begin with. And I'm not trying to bash beat elite. They're, they're a good company for the most part. Um, if you really want to have something like do high doses of citrulline and do high doses of beta alanine, and you will notice immediately, we'll send you some of the products and you will notice immediately. And that's the reason why I like prescribe to those things. Cause you do notice, I mean like the amount of vascularity that you'll get from taking citrulline erections, all sorts of crazy shit. It's, it's like a, it's a very potent thing. And then another thing, um, that was, I was going to talk about product wise. Uh, I mean, listen, what you're probably like the reason why I've had a problem with a lot of this industry is the, the variety of endurance products versus bodybuilding products. There's not a lot in between for what we're trying to do. It's either like you get a sugar packet with a little bit of table salt in it for endurance athletes, or you're over here with the bodybuilders and they give you like this super caffeinated mind explode, explode 10,000. So I think the conversation about nitric oxide is like, what's the thing that you can do to produce the most uh, response possible? And I don't know if you've tested it, but I mean, it, it's at the point where we're obsessed. Like I'm, I'm thoroughly obsessed with it. Well, again, look at, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and uh, profess that I'm an expert in any of that. Cause yeah. I, I got to a place where one of the things that I can focus on in my, my world that will bring me or bear fruit, and that's where I spend my time. Now, I'm not saying you can't get some advantages from some fashion of supplementation or whether you're dosing more so or not. I'm just saying that that's not where I spend any time. So I'm the wrong guy to ask, to be very honest with you. Just to talk more about the magic carpet of heat that you've been discussing. Um, so in the context of me getting ready for this thing, if I was going to test in December or January, when do you start doing heat exposure? Well, um, it's an interesting question. Ooh. So the mm. first thing that I recommend to people that are starting to play this game is get into a situation where they can monitor their core temperature relative to task. How do you do that? There is a device you, you can purchase that you connect it. You know, you could either connect it to your chest strap <laughs> or th there's, there's a little uh, foam thing that will stick to your skin. You could put it right on your body. So, and what it does is it will, it will kick back this information into an app. So it's precise. It will give you what not your not what your skin temperature is, but what your core temperature is. Short of that, by the way, uh, what they used to do and probably still do in some camps is they put like a ten centimeter probe up your ass. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's go back yeah. to talking about eight. So that you can get an so that you can get an accurate read. Mm. Now nobody wants You're to, do that. to do that I, while while doing your exercise. You yeah. Gotta yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of treatments in your lab? In your I'm not going in there. Your, in your secret lab? <laughs> What's going on in your secret lab? So what I'm I, saying is that they, these, this company came up with this little device. And I'm, I'm purposely avoiding the name of the company simply because they gave me a raw ass because they 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 did not respect me. And I'm and I'm like not going to promote them. Uh -huh. But I, I, love, I, love, I bought their product. I bought their they, product. How do they not respect you? What, what, what defines all right, respect? All right. So, so – Let's bash these fuckers. So I, I found out that this company had this really unique tool that you can use to accurately and precisely measure your body core temperature on the fly. No. I said, this shit's amazing, right? So I started looking at the research and everything was telling me, wow, this is, this is the, the legit real deal, right? So I reached out to the company. I reached out to these guys. I said, look, I'm a coach and I'm operating in unique um, spaces. Like I'm not... 
like a triathlon. I mean, I work with triathletes, of course, but um, I'm working in like high rocks. I'm working in um, OCR and, you know, these kind of new novel sports, really. And uh, I have a lot of people. I'm coaching people internationally and whatever. I said, send me three or four of these devices and some of these suits. Let me go to work and I will send you the content. So you can use it for however you want. That's our deal, right? And the guy goes, nah, I don't think so. And I'm like, what? I said, I will purpose, I, I promise you that when I started loading this on these on my space, my people, you're gonna sell a bunch of these things. <clears throat> and I said, if you don't believe me, this the for example, high rocks, growing sport, new Google high rocks. Do you know what the guy told me? Mm. He goes, Well, if I gotta Google it, that explains my case. In other words, it's not it's not real it's enough. Not even on the radar of like dinner talk. <laughs> yeah. If I gotta Google it to, yeah. to to verify your position, then I'm and I thought, you know, you you son of a bitch. What's the name of the company? It's called oh, Core C O R E. Oh, you sent me their stuff. Core Temp. Yeah. Hey, look, I, the device is amazing. It works. Now, can, can I tell you something even better? As a coach, I've got clients that have the device. And I'm not, I'm not only now looking at the metrics from their pace, their efforts, their heart rate, and things like this. I'm looking at their core temperature relative to what they did, too. So I've got this new piece that I'm putting in the puzzle that's really giving me a sense of what was too much, what was too little, hydration strategies, whatever it is, um, and, and starting to see. You could also start to see whether you're getting control over the thing or not. Mm. So going back to your question. Um, I would suggest that don't get weird with it at all other than just pay attention. I'm doing this and this is what's happening to me. And then you could start implementing some changes. Maybe you're hydrating differently. And, you know, because of the hydration strategy you're taking on, you're starting to get a handle on your core temperature. That's big, right? Now, wait. And then let's just say that you've got an event a month out. You're going to go, you want to go break a world record and you're a month out. I would start introducing very specific heat block training. Only a month out. A month out. You wouldn't dabble any earlier. I'd, yeah, I'd play with it, but I wouldn't specifically put together the work. So what I'm suggesting to you is I want to stay, I want to stay at a very unique <laughs> position, body core temperature wise, that gives me a result. And I can show you the research. I can't do it a, here because I don't. I don't have control. Wait, don't slow me down. I could. I've sent you the research. You've seen it. You know. I you, know. You. You probably just. You know he it. doesn't read emails, Rich. Yeah, I that's know. true. He's that's true. Dick. That's true. I tell everybody on our team. I say, don't you fucking text me. Don't you text me or email me. You call me. That's all I'm gonna do. So what I'm what I'm getting at is, is that I've seen where when you start this heat block training. The, the greatest return on your investment will occur ready in five days. Hmm. In five days, 90%, 80 to 90% of the benefits you hope to receive will achieve in five days. And then after that five day period, it will flatten out. It won't get worse. It won't get better. It just flatten out. So there's really no good reason to do it other than realize that if you continue to put yourself under that heat stress, your fitness is going to fall off. You just, it's like you've overtraining. So you don't want to do it. So what you do is you put in a specific amount of work and I'm not going to give the, the secret sauce up. Oh. 
I'm not, mm. you know, oh, you come on, Rich. Just a little mm. bit of the sauce. Mm. But you and I could, you taste. and I could talk about taste. it privately. But I'm not going to just throw it out to the world and let them know what I've learned. Let me just pose something to you real quick. So, I started, I think January, twenty something, doing high rock simulations, leading up to March 16th, where I set the world record. So about eight weeks, maybe six weeks. Um, I sucked at high rocks for the first four weeks. And then all of a sudden I started to spike the last. So my question is, is like, don't you assume that it will take more than four weeks to kind of learn how to use this? No, no, dude. No. So you're not listening to what I said. I said, play with it, learn it, identify what the outcomes are relative to things you're doing and then start to learn about it. But then when you get ready to do the real deal, when you're ready to, to throw down to get this, this Holy grail benefit leading into a, a, an event, you want to look at it almost like what you do just before a taper. And so, and mind you, what I'm saying is that, uh, and what I, what I was going to say, and I, you, you know, you got on me a little bit is after that five day window where you got that benefit, that benefit will hold on even though you're not doing anything with it for another two weeks. Yeah. So I did a thing and I can hang on to those benefits for two weeks. So let's just say um, I'm in week four, three, two, I stop. Last week is is taper week, event week on Saturday. Mm -hmm. I'm going to still get the benefits from what I've done. I'm not saying that you do this uh, exclusive of your, training you're still doing the training that you normally would do but there's purposeful intent with what you're doing over the course of about uh it's probably about eight days to be honest with you because you're going to start tapering after a bit but there's a very specific uh outcome that's going to happen it's going to increase your capacity to do the work for one it's going to increase your blood plasma it's going to increase your red blood cells it's going to decrease your uh, sensitivity. Um, um, what am I trying to say? It'll allow you to stay in the heat more effectively, comfortably. Mm-hmm. There's a whole bunch. And the, <laughs> somebody wants to know what specific. <laughs> you know what? I'm not just I'm not just handing this no, stuff out. You know? no, no, t-shirts away. You want me to give like the secret sauce away? Back to what you were saying earlier about that guy not knowing who you were, respecting it. I've literally battled with that for the past fudge decade of my life like doing events and being the best guy in the world it's something that nobody gives a shit about wouldn't, wouldn't that same concept apply for like if i have to google their company because they aren't dinner table just you know nationally known name would, yeah. would, well can i tell you something pay attention now because since i started looking at this what i've what i've learned the guy that just won the uh, western states 100 broke the record by 45 minutes he's using their device and he's he used Who this I don't remember his name. Jim Wamsley? No, no. Jim Wamsley's record beat. got beat? Yes. This year. Really? Yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. So, and then Chuck guess who else is into it now? Killian Jornet just picked the thing up and started using it in his training. And the guys that are setting the world records in Ironman, same drill. And uh, so you're starting to see over and over and over again that these, what, what, what I was bringing to the table says, this is a unique sport. This isn't an endurance sport. But there's high intensity. High intensity means high heart rate, means high heat production. Um, this is this is going to be a, a novel thing that I'm doing that will benefit you guys. 
oh, well, you know, if I got to Google it, and I'm like, okay, you know what? Mm. So I'm dude, sorry. You know, the, I think the issue is, dude, you sh- you're just in the United States. I think you got to leave the United States. That's why I'm over here in the UK. I'm a god king over here. They actually like like the sport and care about it. In the United States, I think with like the growth of CrossFit, NASCAR, all these other major sports, people just don't give a shit. Even when I was like, the only thing that's ever gotten me attention in the United States is Broken Skull Ranch, and it, I would just like go to like southern states, and people thought I was a god. <laughs> over here, you can come over here, dude, and you could own London in a day. With your, your, they think you're a witch doctor because you can, you can do magic with temperature. You know what? I'm getting too old to chase people around. You don't have to chase people around. They'll come to you, dude. You'll be like the Messiah. They're like, please. So can I tell you? Can I tell you something? I, I had this thought process this morning. You know that I've been at this a long time. I've been at this a long freaking. I've been in this business for thirty years. Mm-hmm. And I've been trying to promote, you know, all these clinics and whatever. I'm getting to this place where I'm saying, you know what? I'm going to give you an opportunity to come see me, but you're going to have to put in the work. Yeah, That means you're going to have to reach out to me, schedule an appointment and come see me, but I'm not going to be beating the drum and trying to advertise like a madman to make this thing work because I'm just getting too old to chase people. You, you know, know, Rich, I'm starting to get more Rich Diaz ads on Facebook. I don't know if, if you're uh, doing that purposefully, but I'm getting more uh, join my Richard Diaz sign up for, xyz and i've i've seen that over the last week oh really yeah promoting you yeah look up look up uh mike bergner the white lifting coach who's very famous in crossfit this dude's like 300 years older than you and he's still hustling so don't get fucking lazy look at i know him i know that guy mike Bergner. i think he's he's great but he's got to be as old as a tortoise and he's still (laughs) giving weightlifting uh courses so you got to stick with it, brother. Well, I'm not going to stick. I'm not going to listen. I love what I do. You know this, right? I love yep. what I do. And the more time I can spend, you know, focusing on the, the getting better at what I do, yep. the more I like it. I, I wake up in the morning doing this shit. I, I go to bed. We're doing this shit. That's, that's not a, it's not like I want to go do something else, but um, I'm just not as aggressive as I once was, you know, and, and I don't know. I don't know, but I look, I love every time somebody new shows up in my door, I get excited because I don't know who they are. I don't know what they're capable of. And I'm going to reveal it. Rich thought I was a deadbeat the first time I met him. So don't listen to what he says. I had to Google your ass, right? I had to Google your ass. He calls me up. He said, yeah, I'm doing this uh, OCR thing. I'm like, what? What's that? You know? And then I'm seeing, I'm pulling up these pictures of when he was modeling. I'm going, oh no. Oh no. And then, and then, you know, I started looking at the cover of uh, some sport magazine or something. I said, wow, this might be legit. He came came to me, you know, just a, a babe in the woods and was just ready to listen and learn. And you know wasn't, what? It wasn't lazy. And no, he never turned their back on it, man. It's like it's been a long time at this point. You wrote a book <laughs> after the knowledge that you gained about his uh, stats of running, I, right? I put him on the cover. Hey, now. Put him on the cover. Might so have to I, put him on another cover. So let's let's discuss here. Since you made predictions last time, high low, I'm going for twenty nine fifty. It looks like a six minute mile, three minute pull ups, seven minute push ups, eight minute squats, and a six twenty mile. Now refresh my memory because I, I don't pay attention to this stuff that much. Good. Is there two runs? You run first. Two, and two one mile runs. One run. mile run. One hundred pull ups. Two hundred push ups. Three hundred squats. One mile. What, what I would consider to be success 
as if the, the final run is not slower than the first run. So you want me to go sub five minute, six minute miles? Yeah. You want me to start at a 620 and then end as a six? I don't know. I want you to run. Uh, if, if, if your mark is six, I want six in the front and six in the rear. 610 and 605 would add up then. So I'll go 610 and then I'll go 605 or six flat, the last one. And there's just everything else that you do, you should be able to do. You should know, you should know two weeks before you, you decide to throw down exactly what it's going to look like. Yeah. Well, 300 air squats divided by eight, which is the amount of time that I want to do is 37 air squats a minute. When I test by myself, I get about 45 to 46, just like going up and down constantly. So I'm, I'm cutting it off by almost 12, uh, 15%. Is that with the vest on Hunter? Yeah. With the vest on. And then if you look at 200 pull-ups divided by seven minutes or push-ups divided by seven minutes, it's 28 push-ups a minute. So it's not that crazy. It's really not. I just, I went out the gun a little too hot. So conservative on the runs, conservative on the push-ups and squats, and then crush the last run. Well, conservative should be what occurs and then progressively ramping up your ability in your training. There shouldn't be anything conservative in, in, in the end, end product. You should know exactly what you need to do and exactly what it's going to look like having done it by the time you, you set this record. Hmm. So I was thinking about spending three days a week in the gym. Would you spend more days a week in the gym at lower intensity or higher intensity three days? Uh, I th- Well, then what's going to happen the other four days? That easy, easy cardiovascular work that I talked about, because once your muscles just that traumatized, there's nothing I can really do. Well, I, well, first of all, I'd work on your skill sets on the run. You know, don't worry about how fast you're running. Worry about how well you're running. And then the the better you run, the less stress your body's going to absorb or take on. And you're going to just get better at it. So, and then with time, you could just, you could have days where you're going to really ramp up the runs, really focus on getting that mile time down, knowing what the cost is going to be to get that mile time down, mm-hmm. do some bricks, make, add parts of the, uh, the competition to your run to see what the stress levels are when you try to run after you've done something. <clears throat> just, you know, work it, work it like a triathlete, you know, just add some bricks. Mm. And, and so it's basically the same formula for high rocks. It's like, you know, I, I, this person I talked to the other day said they do not do Sims at all. Oh, oh no, the Sims beat me up too much. I just don't do them. I need two weeks worth of recovery. Hillbilly. They're too, too yeah. dumb. You know, well, what the thing is, is for me, and the reason why I have my formula, you're, you've been my coach for a long time and like you and I consult, but you know, I do my own thing for the most part. I have my formula and I feel that a lot of people, and the reason why one-on-one coaching is valuable is because people do need to have their own process and somebody needs to refine it for them. I refined it myself and working with people like you, sometimes you may not be able to do a high rocks workout other every, like, you know, maybe you can only do it once a month. Maybe you just can't, but no, no, I, I, I get, get away with it once a week, but I'm just tip of the spear type stuff. And, you know, I was talking to Mark Allen the other day and he was like, yeah, I listened to that four times a year. He would do a 150 mile bike ride, a swim into a 150 mile bike ride into a 30 minute run at race pace. And I was just like, Whoa, 150 mile bike ride. He was just talking about the hard surges that he'd put into that 150 mile bike ride. Dude, I would be covering myself in band-aids and crying after a 150 mile bike. Can I tell you something? You know, uh, Ryan knows this because I was texting things to him and you weren't posting it. But 
I know Mark Allen. Mark Allen competed in my event in 1983. And so um, back then, when he was with Team J. David, all these guys were training together. Scott Tinley, Scott, uh, not Molina. Molina wasn't part of it. Scott Tinley, his brother, Jeff Tinley, um, had this super tribe of athletes that were being paid to train. It was like the perfect storm. Dude, that's what I want. <clears throat> but anyway, um, I, I know Mark Allen's history. And, and we've not always agreed with each other. Let's just put it like that. But during that interview you had with him, you, you probably remember this. I'll bet you Ryan does. He used the term in training flow yep. probably 10 times. And I thought, you know what? The guy's genius because I've been banging the drum about flow, the way you're introducing intensity and in and out of it and whatever for the longest time. And I was so pleased to hear him say it because, and the other thing that was pleased, I was waiting for him to talk about uh, the Phil Maffetone uh, you know, go slow and stay slow to turn up that five-minute mile? No. He, he talked about the hard running at the end. He said he would do hard intervals and stuff. Maybe <coughs> those guys were a little bit quiet about it at the end. I needed, to hear, I needed to hear him say that. What I'm trying to do February and March is do, like, very, very intense focused training camps for about six to eight weeks with athletes that I'm either going to do in Spain or I'm going to do here in the United States and try to, like, bring the best coaches in, have a free house for everyone to live at, food everything covered um you get a couple sponsors behind it uh you know the field just says like i would do anything to like you know reading the books about tour de france and all the athletes go to spain and they're just cycling all the time i would love to have all these people but everyone's kind of so catty and and bitchy and doesn't want to come together but if we could do that for a good eight weeks i guarantee we'd have insane times for world championships you know know what the unfortunate end is in the sports that we're involved Hmm. is there's just no money you know, when you look at the Tour de France, when I was working with professional boxers, there was nothing that I could have said that would not have been uh, done. I mean, financially, if I said, look, in order to do this, we need this much money. They would have started throwing the cash at me. They didn't give a shit because they had this budget, right? They, they didn't have a budget. They just got limitless amounts of money to produce that world champion, right? And the same thing in triathlon, the same thing in cycling, you have these great minds and these great research teams put together to define the, the outcomes, you know, based on science that doesn't exist in these sports. You know, for me to for me to show up at a camp like that, I'm thinking, OK, I got to come out of pocket or whatever to go for what? You know, these guys get paid to do these things and it just doesn't exist in this sport. And that's unfortunate. I would love to see it get to a place where, you know, a million dollars for 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 the winner of the High Rocks World Championships, mm. and then I, what you're, you're going to start seeing that the intellect in the sport is going to improve dramatically. Yeah, I'm finally is at she, the point where I'm starting to make enough money doing this thing where I can take these steps. And like I talked, I just had meetings with sponsors today. Someone I've worked with for two years, and I've never had a contract with them because they were like, "We can't allocate the budget to something that isn't there yet." And now they finally came back to me, and I was just like all right, well, we need to do this if I'm going to do what you guys want. And, like, it, it's there. I mean, technically, people could become professional athletes in this thing full-time pretty soon. Well, did you, you ever work with Money Mayweather? Did I? Yeah. No, no. But I could tell you that I worked with, uh, <clears throat> I worked with a boxer 
that beat uh, Manuel uh, Marquez, mm. who who was like right there with Mayweather, right? Wow. Uh, the problem with Mayweather is he was up a weight class, so I didn't, I never got around to it. I worked with uh, uh, Sergio Martinez, who was a middleweight champion of the world, and when I worked with him, he was knocking people out. It was like fun to watch. You, you can't imagine the difference in in the way someone like me responds to that when you know how much is on the tape, I couldn't sleep. I could not sleep at night because I was concerned that I do the right thing by this guy today. And, and what am I going to do tomorrow? I mean, when they gave me the lightweight champion of the world, they said, nobody's touching this guy, but you for the next six weeks leading wow. up to leading up to a world championship bout <clears throat> on, uh, on um, HBO. Yeah. <clears throat> I couldn't sleep. I mean, literally could not sleep because I was like, so, I mean, I, you know, I love I love Hunter, but I'm I'm not going to lose any sleep worrying about whether he's going to win or not, <laughs> because Thanks. it doesn't it doesn't change my life. It might change his life, it doesn't change mine, right? Uh-oh. And that's the problem. It's like uh, you look at guys like uh, the guy that uh, uh, what's his name that worked with uh, Manny Pacquiao. Um, uh, what the hell is his name? I'm getting old. I forget things. Um, Roche, Freddie Roche. Freddie Roach gets 10%, right? So Marquez, uh, not Marquez, but um, Pacquiao, his career earnings was $450 million. His wow. trainer got $45 million over the course of their relationship. $45 million? Right. Working with one athlete. Not to mention the rest of the guys he had in his stable. I would bet you that uh, Freddie Roach has probably in, earned two hundred million dollars as a as a trainer and a coach. Wow, so I'm in the wrong team. game. <laughs> I know. I, I think about that all the time. I'm like, God so damn. So Hunter turns professional game. boxing athlete after this show with Rich Diaz. <laughs> I would murder. I put him in as a, a super super. No, no, we put him at a light heavyweight. I would murder people. Bring him back down to 190 pounds. Work on his footwork, you know. Be a dream. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, running in circles and throwing balls at targets. What's that guy's uh, name? Paul uh, something. Uh, Jake Logan Paul? Paul. Logan Paul. Logan Paul. We're gonna Logan set Paul. up a fight you between you and those guys. Like an MMA fight between you and Logan Paul. I'd beat the mm. shit out of them. They're YouTubers. <clears throat> hey, listen. Even if he beats the shit That's out of you, what every fighter out. says. I don't know, dude. I feel like these guys take money and they're like, oh, no, I got hit in the face. I'm going down. (laughs) I'm going to hit me hard right now. These guys are they're they're going after burnt out fighters and they own like I think Jake Paul owns that new fighting league, like whatever it's called. He's a part owner in the new fighting league. and, And Logan Paul owns this prime drink company, potentially both work worth over a billion dollars at this point. So you got to figure you just walk up to one of these guys and say, hey, listen, I'm going to pay $10 million to play cat and mouse with me for however many rounds and then let me beat you. Listen, I will fight him myself. I know, but that's what I will pay you. I will pay you $500,000 to pick me up if he knocks me down, Mm -hmm. you know? Just hold me there and let me take the hit. (laughs) I need to make it to round five. Put me back up. (laughs) Uh, well, dude, I appreciate the time and you got to give me, uh, so we've discussed, we're going lighter on the entry mile, faster on the exit mile. We're going to work on, we're going to work on basically tackling really 
focusing on doing more duration of the workout, increasing intensity over time, heat training near the end. Um, I think we're good. I think well, we're good. Can I, can I, you know, I, I know I've, I've said this too many times. I'm getting tired of saying it. Mm. If you just showed your ass up, we can introduce you to all I this. I told you stuff. I'm coming in September. That's what you keep saying. Listen, some of us actually have to work for a living and don't hide in caves yeah. with uh, temperature butt plugs. <laughs> <laughs> you ass. Dude, I am literally half dead right now. We literally came out here, landed, partied our asses off, did a uh, Ironman, got on a flight, did a whole workout tour, had a one-year anniversary party. I start my tour again tomorrow. Like it's, and I don't get out of here until I'm trying to change my flight to Sunday. I don't think I get out of here until Tuesday. I'm, I'm half dead. All right. Well, you know yeah. what? You should find one of those uh, liquid IV uh, places, get a, get a vitamin or, boost or a therapist or just like someone like, I think you can hire people these days that will cuddle you. You can pay them. There's like get cuddling a, stations, get a puppy. I don't need a puppy, dude. All right, boys and girls. I had a really great time guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. Um, this is an absolute blast. Rich, we always learn a tremendous amount. If you guys want to find out more about Rich, the secret lab, Diaz, human performance, find him on Instagram. He is worth every dollar and worth the conversation and the trip to middle of nowhere, Nashville, Tennessee. Yep. It's the All best. Right. Brother, Cheers, man. Guys. See you. Catching up. Later, All boys. Right. I'm going to get out of here. Okay. So leave studio.